The Joe Beaver Show is on the air. 22. What do you mean? 22. After all the uncertainties of the past two years, there's been an expectation and a hope for a more normal 22-23. But now the question is... USC and UCLA do. They're both Big Ten schools. Yeah. But where does that leave the rest of us? Who could possibly answer that question in this strange new era of analytics? Mad transfers. How did it get hit? Well, it looks to me like you portaled it. A what? You know, portaled from wherever you were to here. What's that? It's a, a different kind of portal. It's just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. And realignments. They both big pencils. Yeah. All we do know is the boys are back. And the Joe Beaver Show plots its own course. Now there are a few more topics that we have to cover. And we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother. We will talk about what I want to talk about. Fair enough. Who's next? Joe Beaver is on 1240 Joe Radio. I didn't realize that uh, Jim Walden one of our favorite people of all time in the coaching profession and in radio, mm -hmm. longtime partner, broadcast partner of uh, the late, great Bob Robertson. Jim Walden will join us in a few minutes. He is still doing a radio show. I still think he lives in Pullman now. But I knew he began his coaching career under Bob Devaney at Nebraska. Yeah. Back when Nebraska was Nebraska. And an unbelievable power. Yep. When you prepare, as as I was doing for Jim to join us here at 11.15, to give us a little bit of flavor of those days, a little bit of flavor of Apple Cup wins, a little bit, on, of course, from his perspective on the Beavers and Cougs Saturday night. He's still doing a, a radio show that uh, centers on Washington State Cougar football. He was the head coach for the Cougs from 78 through 86, was involved in perhaps the most memorable Apple Cup series in the history of the series, yeah. with the Rose Bowl on the line in 81 for both schools, and then the Cougs with historic upsets. Washington got them in 81, but then the Cougs two years in a row, two years in a row, 82 and 83, knocked yeah. Washington out of the Rose Bowl with Apple Cup wins. Great years. I mean, those were exciting yeah, like years and times. Underdog. And Jim, the reason that Jim came to mind... Because of an article in the Seattle Times, and we have, because of what we're about to reference, an abridged version of the show today, off at noon. And we will turn it over to the Seattle Mariners in their quest to come back mm -hmm. from the pain and win a ball game today. The Seattle Times undertook, and I got it because I did the same thing in sports talk radio in 1991 in Portland after the game six loss. Yeah. With the late Jerome Kersey passing to Uncle Cliffy, and he and fumbles the Cliffy ball out of, bounds. out of bounds. The Blazers were about to take the lead there, and his magic said, if we have to go back to Portland for Game 7, we won't even get on the plane. Right. Magic said that himself. we got to win tonight. Because if we don't, we don't even want to go to Portland. Right. He knew what was in store. Remember exactly where so I was. So the big rally, 
Anyway, the ball trickles off Cliffy's fingers. You don't take the lead. You don't win game six. You lose game six. Magic mm-hmm. throws a ball high in the air as time runs out. Pain! Just sheer pain. Lots of pain. The whole city, the state, I'm sure Blazer Mania down here, you remember that game. So the next day on the air, I had four hours, three to seven in the afternoon on old sports radio 1520. And my way of dealing with it was, okay, we're in misery. So let's just stay in there. Let's stay in that world. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you remember that day or not, John. Listen, I said, call with the most painful losses you've I was trying to divert attention in a sense away from the Blazers to say, you've hurt before. Does this one hurt the most? Is it? And for four hours, you know, back in the early days of sports talk radio, when there were only two or three stations in the country doing what we were doing up there in Portland. Now there's a bunch of them. Yeah. And, but for four hours, people called in. It was a cathartic type giving people enough. Well, gosh, and college football games, pro football games, other NBA games for four hours, people were calling to talk pain. It's a great diversion. It's a good diversion (laughs) tactic. Think about it too. We think in terms of now. Well, you got a minus thirty years of of pain, and go backwards from nineteen ninety. Right. So you must have heard. Oh, oh we yeah, heard when, everything. Yeah, when, when Crispy Crisperson in eighteen ninety five bobbled that. Right, Fred Merkel. Yeah, we a lot of stuff, <laughs> a lot of pain, uh, and so the Seattle Times, following the lead from Sports Radio fifteen twenty back in nineteen ninety one, they wrote <laughs> top ten painful losses. In Seattle sports history. Are there 10? Well, they just decided to just (laughs) go 10 on down. And Walden's, one of Walden's Apple Cup wins, I think, in 1982, made the list, made the cut. (laughs) We'll talk to Jim about that. For half of them, for Husky fans. Yeah, for Husky fans, Seattle area sports fans, whatever. Rocky has called for some reason before we even got rolling today, and we're not going to roll long. We're done at noon. We'll turn it over to the Mariners. But Rocky is calling from the great state of Minnesota. I hope it's not to pump up P.J. Fleck. I don't know why he's calling, but here we go. Rocky on the Downwood Dog phone line. Hey, Rocky. Well, I, I follow I follow every game. You know, I went to the first game, and then uh, I'm, I've got a uh, paid for a channel where I pick up all the Pac-12 games, too, if they're not on ESPN. So I, I watched the wonderful game the other night. Um, sloppy game, kind of, but... You know, it was uh, finally we got one that uh, maybe we didn't deserve, but I guess you can't say that either because we won. So it was uh, exhilarating, to say the least. Yes. It kind of uh, put a little salve on that USC loss, which I thought we should have, could have won. Yep. yep. Anyway, I just called to, I was talking to my son Jake and some other people. And we're kind of analyzing, you know, how, where we're at now and how we got here. And, and we thought, we hadn't seen this year, and that's maybe because of Trey Lowe is, is out and also uh, Luke Musgrave, but uh, not much play action pass and going to the running backs at all. I think in the first six games so far, we've had uh, the three backs catch six passes, and you look back when Evanson was there and other guys, by midseason, we usually had 25 to 30 passes uh, to you know the backs faking the blocks, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. going out for the pass, uh, especially if there is an anticipated uh, blitz coming on the yeah. quarterback, to take, yeah. the, take the pressure off. But, I, yeah, we were wondering why, and, and Luke Musgrave, too, was good at playing action, you know, over the mm-hmm. middle more. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was wondering if you've had any conversations with Jonathan at all about uh, the lack of, of 
play action passes to your running backs? It's a good question, Rocky. It really is, and it's an astute point. And what you bring up, I think, you, not that Jonathan has said, okay, here's our game plan and what we're going to do with that, but Jemias Griffin was a very good receiver at Georgia Tech. And, you know, it's possible. Uh, I guess keep an eye out if, when he's on the field with – the, yeah. fer- the ferocious pass rush that Washington State has, and it's really good. Jonathan, right. Jonathan told me the edge rushers for them are the best. They're as good as anybody yeah. we've seen or will see all year. So there may yeah. be a need to get the ball out kind of quickly in that respect. But yeah, this would take a little pressure off some of that. Yeah, and that's what it, it, it. That's what it does. Is you you um, get back at them by just yeah. getting rid of that ball real quick and get it to somebody. It gets uh, you can get a lot of. Yak yards, you know. True. A lot of times, those runners like Griffin, he's got the moves and pretty good speed out of the three. That you know, he might catch a two, three yard pass, but yep. you know, get fifteen, twenty out of it. Rocky, it's a great point. We've got Coach Walden coming up next, so we oh. need to break. Great, Jim Walden will join us. So thank you for the call. Uh, good to hear from Rocky. We miss him. He's back uh, closer to family in the great state of Minnesota. Jim Walden, the legendary coach, 84 years of age, still going strong, doing a radio show. It's all about Cougar football and one of the great Cougs of all time. Jim Walden joins us next on 1240 Joe Radio. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker with John Warren and one of my favorite people in this in this profession. And I say profession only because he's been a broadcaster for a long time. He coached at a very high level for Washington State and Iowa State. He played for Bob Devaney coached with Bob Devaney. This is a man whose roots are so deep in the game we love, college football, and Coach Jim Walden, kind enough to join us today. He's doing his own radio show, which I'm honored to be a part of Saturday morning. Coach, it's great to talk to you again, Jim. Thanks for taking time. How's life in your world? Well, it's good. I live on uh, Mike over in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and I don't know that there's a you know, you'd probably tell me Corvallis is better, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but I think Corvallis is a pretty doggone nice place to live, and I'm just happy I'm still around to enjoy. Jim, is Dennis up there now too? Yeah, I got I got the whole coaching group up there. <laughs> I got uh, um, Dennis is here. Mike Price is on the water. Uh, myself. Uh, Gil, Keith Gilbertson's up here. Hell, you could start a coaching clinic. Up there. I mean, a, a staff if you yeah. wanted to. Do you guys? Do you guys kick it around, get together once in a while? Well, I don't do much with Dennis. Dennis is a little bit different um, in terms of getting together. He plays a lot of golf. Uh, I don't see him. I do see Gilby a lot. He and I will go to dinner. I'll go to lunch, and then. Uh, our, we're, the, the four of us, our wives will go to lunch a lot. I talk with Mike a lot, but but he doesn't come off the water too often. I chat with him on the phone, and that's about it. So physically, Keith Gilberson's kind of uh, my my coffee buddy. Uh, the other two, we just say hello to when I get a chance. Well, it's such all those guys you mentioned. You know, when I talk about you, one of the great coaches and legends in in our world throughout our lifetime uh, in in the Pack Eight. The Pac-10, the Pac-12, yeah. Jim. I mean, you you guys spend a lot of time together and must have good times when you do get together, kind of kicking it all around. You've seen a lot collectively. Well, it's probably not safe when we're all getting together because we're all we're all old timers, but we try to act like we're not. So that, that mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes uh, yeah, I noticed uh, the uh, the beer doesn't go as far as it used to, Mike. But we still have a good time trying to get it there. 
I bet you do. Jim, uh, tell us first, before we get to the game, and there's some other things I kind of want to revisit with you, want to talk to you about this Saturday's game in Corvallis. Mm -hmm. But a little bit about, I mean, when you called, I was so glad you're still doing the radio show. You and the great Bob Robertson worked together for many years. But are you keeping, what are you doing keeping your hand in it? What's your show about? Well, I I, I did it for about five years. Every Saturday morning, I, I did Gosh, you were right. I got into the radio business. I think I've been in the radio business almost as long mm-hmm. as I was coaching. Mm-hmm. And that made me tell you how old I am. But um, I used to do a radio show in Des Moines, Iowa, every Sunday night with a guy named Jim Zobel, who was a longtime boss of the Iowa Hawkeyes. And we had a great time. And I think that people enjoyed it. So we did that for 17 years together. Then Jim passed away, and I gave that up. And we moved out here. And then first thing you know, I'm doing Cougar football for 11 years. And while I'm doing that, I was doing a Sunday night show out here. Then all that went away, and I took about two years off. And all of a sudden, they talked me into doing a Saturday morning radio show uh, in Spokane. And so I I did that for about, like I say, five years. Quit at the end of the 19th season. Uh, I didn't didn't quit because of COVID. I didn't know at that time COVID was coming. I just Mm -hmm. said I've done enough. Mm -hmm. Well, to make matters change the station i was on then was a music station but they also have the zag basketball and they have the hockey team and they have the spoke the the spoke uh spokane uh indians so it was kind of a half sports talk station and half music so they sold that part and now it's all sports it's it, uh it's fox sports now mike mm-hmm. and so they called me over and said coach we need if you can believe this there's not another there are no on-air personalities on any radio station, sports station in Spokane. And they said, Coach, we need you to come back. And this, if nothing else, just come on Saturday morning and take care of the local people because, uh, you know, we just need to have somebody talking about eastern Washington, Idaho, right, Washington right. State, Gonzaga, uh, Washington University, and then branching out from there. And so that's what got me back, Mike. And so I don't know if I'll go more, maybe one more year, but I did tell them I would come out and so they can find some people they want to, to do it. They are looking hard for a local personality to try to talk into doing it. Coach, this is John with Mike. Just as a follow-up to that, in your coaching years, if you ever had to do a TV show or, or a radio show with callers, that kind of thing, did, did you like doing that or did you bristle at doing that because you know people are going to want to know why you called a certain play? <laughs> Well, I guarantee you I bristled at most of it. <laughs> uh, I, 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 we don't allow call-ins. And um, so I used to call it the butts of the nation. And everybody said, well, that's a terrible thing to say about people that's calling in. I said, well, no, I don't mean their butts. I'm just saying when you do a talk show, especially after a football game, now, I never had to do that, but I've, I've listened, and it didn't set too well either. But uh, and that, with that butt. Here's what they'd say. I really enjoyed it. This is if you win. I enjoyed the game today, but I sure think their special teams could use some extra work. You know, so, uh, I, and then when you lose, everybody has a butt. Well, the offense played good, but, you know, so I just call them the butts. That's why I don't, like, I don't have many people. I don't allow call-ins much. I don't need their information. Most of them don't, don't know if it's pumped or stuff. So I just didn't deal with that. Well, well said, Jim. Jim Walden, our guest on the Joe Beaver Show. And, Jim, you touched on something when you were saying 
They need a voice in Spokane to talk about Eastern Washington. They need a voice in Idaho. Fox Sports Radio, the national shows, the people on them are talented. They're good. They do a great job. But there's not enough. The the person who reached out to you to bring you back was absolutely right, Coach. There's not enough local radio anymore where people are talking about, you know, whether Cameron Ward can come in and beat Trent Bray's defense this weekend. You need to have more of that stuff, not less, in my opinion. Well, sure. It's just like you coming on Saturday morning. They want to hear what you have to say about Oregon State in regard to Washington State. Mm-hmm. So, in the end, I'm I'm bringing Washington State game with Oregon State to the local people. Right. And I understand that uh, uh, one of the big things that goes on that uh, I guess we have quite a listening audience. Uh, and when in the morning when they're tailgating, mm-hmm. people driving to and from the games, and you need local personalities, and that's what. I, I've always said that. I, I, whether you agree with them or don't, if you're the coach, it's still good to have someone out there promoting Oregon State basketball, yeah. Oregon State football, uh, Portland State, mm-hmm. Oregon. Bite my tongue. The ducks. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ducks. And if you don't have it, it's just it just falls short of the things you need for the local communities. Jim, this is John again. I want to go back to your time at Washington State and ask you about <clears throat> any anecdotes or any re- uh, memories of your time battling the Beavers. The Cougars and the Beavers are kind of brethren as agricultural schools, smaller and getting the money, all of that. And it should be an even uh, even rivalry. But during your time, any crazy stuff happened? Or uh, I don't even know what your record was against Oregon State. It was good. <laughs> it was good. Was it too good? Well, it, it was, was good. It, it was pretty good. But yeah. I, I, I will give you the one game that I remember vividly, and it was the craziest game I've ever seen. We're down at your place, Corvallis, and it's raining. And we're playing this football game. And I got Steve Grant, my quarterback, and he's, He's throwing one touchdown pass and then he's throwing a pick, and then it's, and we we would score. And here comes Oregon State. Now I can't remember the young man's name, Mike. You'll have to help me out. But they had a wide receiver, and he was a coach's son, Steve and Corey. He, yeah, Steve. I think he's break. He's 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 playing almost on a broken foot, mm-hmm. and I know he's hurting. But we couldn't cover him. But I think Oregon. I think we ended up winning the game forty-four to forty-one. Some crazy wild <laughs> game I've ever seen. I've never seen. And I said, "Well, we did a good job. Uh, we scored. Our offense did good. But, but they had one guy that none of us. We didn't have a guy in our whole system that could cover him. You had a broken leg. Wow. <laughs> I said, yeah, that tells you how bad my secondary was, and we can't cover a guy that's hobbling on one foot. <laughs> you know, Coach, that you're referring to Steve Corey, whose father is Dick Corey, and Steve Corey himself yeah. went on to become yeah. a, is still a great coach at Lake Oswego High School. So the next time we <laughs> talk to Steve, we'll bring that up. Jim Walden joining okay. us. You know, Jim, you also had a game in 1984, and this is something we can talk about gladly and happily, where Reuben Mays rushed for 357 down in Eugene, and you beat Oregon 50-41. to 41. I still look at that 357 and that, that offense you had that day. What do you remember most about that game? Well, I, I remember... And you'll get a kick out of this. We're running the same play to Ruben almost every down. And he'd go 14, he'd go 18, he'd go 24. And it was a lead draw. What we'd do is we ran the split backs. 
So we'd drop straight back. I'd hand the ball to Reuben, who was sitting as the right halfback. The left halfback would lead through the hole, block the linebacker, and Reuben would run. So it's a draw. Okay, the draw. We're running the <laughs> I forget what number it gave me, but it was a draw play. Well, everybody in the stands knew it was a draw play. <laughs> and so about about the last eight times he carried the ball, as soon as we'd get to the line of scrimmage, you could hear the whole stadium. I honest to God, you could hear the whole stadium going, watch the draw. <laughs> you get 35,000 people using the word draw, and it just sounded like an echo. I laughed so hard. Well, <laughs> after the game, Brooks called, I think, Sunday the next day. And he, <laughs> he said to me, the least you could have done was run the damn guy on a different place so I wouldn't have to listen to it. The draw. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> honest to God, he must have rushed for 250 of the 500, 400, whatever it was, 300 yards off that play. Mm. And Brooks says, you embarrassed me enough when you ripped my ass, but just to come down here and run the same play <laughs> and have my own fans calling the play and we still couldn't stop it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's a good that one. is that is great. Hey, coach, a couple of other things uh, before we lose it. Uh, I do want to talk to you about Apple Cups because the Mariner fans were gut punched the other day, so the Seattle Times thought it would be wise to talk about other painful losses, and they put <laughs> they put the top ten losses of all time for Seattle sports fans. And one of your Apple Cups made that list. We'll get to that in a minute, but I don't want to lose at least getting your perspective on what you've seen from the Cougs this year, the quarterback, Cameron Ward, this freshman running back who burst onto the scene with 130 at USC, the job Jake Dickert's doing, Brian Ward on the defensive side, the offense they're running, all of that. What are you seeing with Cougar football this year? Well, you know what? I really like the way they're trying to play. Uh, They're really much better. I don't know if I can say they're better than people think. But I just think going into the season, there might not have been enough uh, conversation or credit given to what I think has turned out to be a really good defensive team, Mm -hmm. guys. And uh, they play hard. Uh, They run to the ball. As a football coach watching Washington State's defense, I just get excited because the hardest thing it is to try to get guys and you love it every coach you've ever known will tell you the same thing the key is to play as hard as you can and run to that football like your hair was on fire and that's kind of how i see this team they just really play hard they give up things uh they gave up a big screw up play touchdown pass to usc saturday i had a mix up in the second there that happens those things are just going to happen but they're not losing any games of the two they've lost by not giving effort. So that part I really like. I think they're better on defense than a lot of people thought they were going to be. Offensively, I think Ward's still trying to sort it out a little bit. Uh, He's got a tremendous amount of talent. Um, But I think sometimes I, as a former quarterback coach, with having some of the guys I had, one of the main things I used to preach all the time is don't drift. Do not drift because you're not doing anything. When you're drifting, you're not, you're not either going right, left, or standing still. So uh, that's the one thing I don't like about him. He drifts. Now, I realize, and I'll tell you this right up front, the, uh, the offensive line at Washington State is not anywhere near equal to the defensive line. Let's put it that way. I think if there's a weakness on their offense, it's because they're so inexperienced up front. 
that may have something to do with the drifting. But as a former coach, coaching that position and playing it, um, I just it drives me nuts to see. Even though he's got a strong arm, he can get it to where he's going. But it, man, it drives me nuts as a coach to see see uh, Cameron drifting out of just drifting backwards, like shuffling speed, fade, fade, fade. Uh, it just makes coverages a lot better because the ball has to travel further. But overall, and and the, the young freshman uh, running back was a total surprise. Uh, I, I think he's turned out to be much better than. Uh, people thought, and it's a good thing because I understand uh, Nakia Watson's not going to play for a right. while. But overall, I think they're. I think uh, the coach. I think Jake's doing a really good job with them. He's rallied the forces after all the hubbub we had, mm-hmm. with Coach Rolovich, and and and, and overall, it's going to be a good. I see the side. I see the same thing in Oregon State, and there's no question in my heart how good a job I think Johnny Smith has done, and. It's just it's just good to see it. I, I love these two schools. I think they fight a lot of battles the same way, and I'm always I always dislike <laughs> the game itself when they have to play. Right. But uh, it, it's there, and uh, so overall, I think it'd be a great game. I think both of them are greatly improved, and they're proving it. Coach, quick thought now. Uh, one thought on on Oregon State, and if Ben Goldbranson has to go this week, and we don't know yet. As a redshirt freshman getting sacked four times, he said he's got to get get rid of the ball quicker. What would you tell him as a quarterbacks coach? How would you handle? Look, here's what you got to do: move your feet, get around. How does that work? Well, I, I think you'd have to. I'd have to look at the tape to, to be critical of someone I don't see that often. Mm-hmm. But if the coaches are telling that he's got to get rid of the ball quicker, my next question to that is: Are you shortening the routes? Mm-hmm. Um, is he holding the ball too long? As he's looking, so you have to look at it. Are you going to the receivers soon enough? And if you are, why aren't you releasing the ball? If they're covered, how you're taking too long to get back to the second level? And then that's a question. And if it's the overall, is it? It's just that he's he's not sure of himself soon enough. Then you got to really work on it because that that's that's what I see. The answer to that is the same thing I just told about Ward. I think sometimes his drifting tells me he's not finding the people he needs to find. And when you start drifting, you're looking. And so with Nolan, maybe it's a whole different thing. But the key to everything is under you got to get rid of the ball, especially in this day and age where there's so many receivers. The only only group out there that's bigger is officials than the (laughs) the number of (laughs) receivers on the field. We got so damn many officials out there these days. You can't run over, can't run a player without hitting one of them. But it, 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 that's what I think. I yeah. think if Nolan, if they're if they're encouraging him to get rid of the ball sooner, they think he's not getting on his on his route soon enough. Coach Walden, Jim Walden, our guest. Last couple of things, uh, Jim. Thank you for your time. Looking forward to the game. I agree with you. I expect it to be a, a, a fierce. A competitive battle between these two schools Saturday night with a lot on the line for both teams and sort of the future for the rest of the season. It's yeah. a big one. <laughs> Your Apple Cup win that they cited in the Seattle Times article was the 1982 win, but didn't you guys have three in a row, 81, 82, and 83, with Rose Bowl implications, and you knocked them out of it in 82 and 83, <laughs> didn't you? Uh, well, it was 81 and 82. No, 82 and 83. We didn't get them in 81. They knocked right. me out of the Rose Bowl That's in 81. That's what I meant, yeah. Right. And then 
then I knocked Don out twice. And so the, he and I used to get together and say, you know, we're pretty stupid. If we could both be a lot better, if we'd have just left one another alone. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, if you really know the truth in those days, Don, I would have traded one for us for two for you, man. I would have given that deal yeah. in the New York second. So we hadn't been in uh, probably 50 years at that time. And so I, the 81 game was so heartbreaking for us because mm-hmm. we thought we were good enough to go and, and uh, we got beat uh, over there, and our our number one quarterback pulled a hamstring early in the second quarter. And we just didn't have the backup young man that could do it, and it wasn't his fault. He just wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And so then the next two years, we upset him over here in '82. And the catch-all for that guys is if you all remember, and Mike, I know you, John, I don't know if you would do or not, but once upon a time, Washington State would play Washington. You always had to go up. to Kent. Right. So it would be like the it would be like the 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 Oregon State Duck game going up to Portland, mm-hmm. and uh, and so it was not was so it'd be like Oregon State playing in in, in Eugene, and then they play Corvette, then they play Ducks up in Portland. Well, that got a little old. Mm-hmm. I'll play at your place, and you play me at a neutral. Right. And so the first time back, I know I'm going on, but the first time back in the stadium with Washington was 1982. And there, it was so electric for the Cougar fans to to be able to see. After 31 years, they had not been at, in in Cougar Stadium in 31 years, and it was a big deal. And the electricity of before the game was off the charts. And it just turned out that we had a got a break or two and caught them napping and beat them. And uh, one of the best kickers in their lives, probably the history of Washington, missed the 31 yard field goal, which. I thank the Lord for that, but (laughs) (laughs) he was looking. I was happy about that. The same, the same guy that helped Oregon State run fifty-six yards for a touchdown Saturday was looking and helping me with my kicker. So anyway, that's what got it, and it was a wonderful game for us. And then, and then uh, after that, uh, next year we kicked the hell out of them. They weren't. We were better. Yeah. (laughs) So. they don't look at it that way. No, I got you. And you beat them three in a stretch, three out of four times. That's only happened one other time in the Apple Cup rivalry. I think it was the 85 game where Don James and the precursor went in saying, it's one of my favorite lines ever, Jim. I don't know how you reacted to it at the time. But Don was asked about the game, and he says, I'm a 2,000-word underdog to Walden. <laughs> how did you react to that? Uh, well. <laughs> You know, I told him, I said, That's, you, you're really hurting my feelings, Don. He says, if the truth, if, if, if the truth hurts you, then I'm, I'm trying to hurt you. But was so, and he was right. He was right. And uh, well, we, we had a lot. Like, to our fans, uh, it, you'd think we didn't get along, but we, we played golf every, for two weeks every, every, for eight straight years and just had a great time. I just thought the world of him. And, uh, he was a hell of a football coach, no doubt about that. But how much time do they have? I have to tell you one joke about uh, about Oregon, the Ducks. Oh, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Uh, okay, here we go. We playing at, we're playing at Eugene. Okay, scores seven. I think they. I think score seven to six. Their favor. And neither one of us has made a first down, as far as I know, all day. It was the worst. Might have been the worst football game <laughs> that I think I've ever been a part of. And I'm just sitting on the sidelines thinking this is awful. <laughs> And they're leading seven to three. That's what it was. And so late in the game, we hold them. They've got the ball about our 28-yard line. They're on 28-yard line, so they're going to punt. They snap the ball, and the guy, the ball hits right in front 
of the where the kicker is standing and bounces. He can't drop his knee because he'd be down. So he bends over and he misses judges and ball goes right between his legs in the end zone. We recover. So it's a touchdown. We went to, we went this great game ten to seven. Yes. About two o'clock Sunday afternoon, we always had a secretary that would work on Sunday. She comes into the meeting room where we were and she says, Coach Brooks is almost to <laughs> And he probably forgot this, but anyway, he picks. Up, I picked up the phone. And I said, "What do you want, Brooks?" <laughs> and he says, "I want to tell you something. You are now one half a part of the worst college football game ever to be played." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited since I won it. I'm at least in touch." <laughs> so, okay, now move ahead four weeks. You guys, I know you remember, Mike, you're probably doing the game. The Ducks and the Beavers played to a nothing, nothing tie. This is four overtime. So the game, four weeks later, it's nothing yes. to nothing. I get a call from Brooks. He says, you're off the hook. <laughs> 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 That's a great story. Jim, those are tremendous stories. It's been a joy to have you on the show. Next time we talk, we want right. to talk about Bob Devaney and, and you beating Nebraska uh, in Ames in 92. Those are great stories, too. But I, I want to thank you for the time, Coach, and I look forward to talking to you Saturday morning. Glad to do it. Look forward to it, guys. Have a great one. Thank you, thank Jim. You. Boy, how about that? What a 2,000-word <laughs> underdog is uh, perhaps an understatement. <laughs> What a Don different James. time to where yeah. the coaches were friends. You know, th- those those are good stories about Brooks three times. Yeah. He's talking about calling yeah. them the next day. Uh, they're calling each other. That's and they're, great. They're and busting each other's and, chops. Yeah. I think everything seems corporate now. That's, yeah. that's those the are, old way. Those are good times. Let's take yeah. a break. If you'd like any reaction to that or anything else, if there's some cougs in our midst, what do you remember about that guy and, and he and Bob on the radio? That must have been fun. Those, those are good times, I would think. And there is an affinity. You know, he says he lo- likes Oregon State and likes them all year long, except for, of course, Saturday night. It's time for the Beavs to find their way out. They won eight out of ten before the recent downturn, and now the Cougs have won eight straight. They won ten straight back between 83 and 93 when Walden was part of that. And uh, so it's time to, to – and Walden got that streak going, yeah. ten straight. Time to turn it's time it for the Beavs to get some things turned around Saturday night. Any thoughts down the stretch? Mariner baseball at noon, 497-5356-1240, Joe Radio. Couple of, okay, you got a couple of texts here down the stretch on the University Honda text line, 497-5356. What a delightful conversation with yeah, Coach was, Walden. And I, I've uh, never heard those stories before, the three Rich Brooks calls. Really? I mean, Rich called me after the 50 to 41 game and the draw yeah, yeah. to Ruben Mays. Rich calling him <laughs> after some 10 to 7 debacle. You were part of the half of the yeah, worst college were... <laughs> game ever. You're off I the hook. I like how you answered the phone. What do you want, <laughs> yeah, Brooks? Those are, you could tell. I mean, that's genuine affection within yeah. the business, friends. Yeah. And that strikes me as those old school guys like him, like Rich, like Jim, like Dennis, like yeah. Price. Yeah. A different kind of feel and time. Like you're right, it's it's it is a bigger business and a little more. Yep. It's corporate now. D, the late great pumpkin, would fit right in there with oh, Sweet yeah. Jim Sweeney. And oh yeah, th- those are those are times that still resonate, still mean a lot. I think. Yeah, to a lot and of people. it almost seemed too like it was a smaller world. I, I don't know yeah. why there was the same amount of colleges, but a smaller world. I mean, here he's coaching in Iowa. And then mm-hmm. you've got connections D in Oklahoma and Oregon State yeah. played Iowa all the time. 
uh, Jim Walden's coaching at Iowa State under, and then he goes and plays Dan Devaney and yeah, Bob Devaney uh, and Bob uh, Devaney, and Tom rather, Osborne, and he Tom played Osborne, for Devaney. and there's the, so the whole yeah. fraternity of coaches right. and how well they know each other. It's a little bit bigger than even our region. What do you got on the text line? Uh, I'll read the one about today first. Great and funny man, real treasure. Has he written a book about his coaching career? That's a great question. I don't know. And these we, anecdotes should absolutely they be in do, a book. Yeah, they should all they should all find their way into a permanent record. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, here's one from yesterday. Oh wait, no, here's a new one. I was at the zero zero game in Eugene. <laughs> It was a great game. We, OSU, did not lose. And it was not raining all that much. Both teams were kind of down then. Doug from Salem. I was at that game, too. And it was a back and forth of, of ineptitude until the end. There was a couple of laterals at the end, I think, by Oregon. I think Oregon had the ball last. They had the ball for a and moment they on made the a last slight play. exciting type yeah. of thing that got the crowd going. Um, on the final sequence, uh-huh. I think there was almost that opening for a moment yeah. on the laterals. Oh my gosh! After all this, the game could end on a somebody breaking it off to win at six. The, at the very after, just yeah. futility uh, all the way through. It was it was awful. Um, You're off the hook. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Yeah, that is great. Uh, great and funny man. Okay, your ref story. My college roommate and I did youth basketball games. For a little spending money, game is over, and we're standing by the scorer's table, facing the court, waiting either to get to clear. All of a sudden, someone comes up from behind and kicks my partner. I turned around to see who it is or who it was, and it was my aunt. (laughs) They haven't printed enough money for me to ref. That's funny. That is funny. That is hilarious. And Dorothy came down with a kick for the bad official. <laughs> well, I and mean, then what side was she for? Because yeah. her nephew was well, right. So was refing. By the way, I'll say too that uh, I know three three referees. So two, Mike, Maggie, and I think that's it. So a friend of mine, Mike Carlson. I, I saw him getting ready to, re- to referee some, some high school tournament games. I said, Mike, what are you doing? I hadn't seen him in, since high school. So he looked great and is doing great. And Maggie DeWall, who was an outstanding softball player at Oregon State yes, about 18, 19 years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, she and I haven't kept in touch, but I've run into her probably three times at different high school venues. She's still officiating? Yes. And I'm like, Maggie, how's it going? And now it's like, hey. We're yeah. old friends. Well, how, what are you doing now? Last time I saw her was two years ago at the Les Schwab Invitational. Okay. And she is still going at it Good and trying her. to, you know, rise in the ranks. And she does a great job. Where are we in terms of time? Uh, should we get one more with in? one more. Yeah, we one should get one more break. in. Let's take a quick break. We'll wrap it up. Anything else you'd like to jump in with? 497-5356. Do the Mariners overcome the psych- the psychology of the first game loss? Four nine seven fifty three fifty six. Apparently, you don't. Yeah, on twelve forty, <laughs> Joe Radio. That's not all, I completely for, incorrect. I just for the to amuse myself and humor my. Just see, I just wanted to see what they would say when I was cold calling, selling, advertising for Joe Buses, Buses and the Portland Beavers yeah. in the late eighties, door to door. 
business after business. No, 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 not interested. No, one guy <laughs> chased me out. I bought an ad three years ago. It didn't do me any good. Get out of here. <laughs> ah, okay. So I I went into a Fred Meyer in Portland and asked, excuse me, is, is Mr. Fred Meyer in today? I'd like to speak to him about advertising. <laughs> Just because I was tired of the usual sales yeah. pitch and got a chuckle. Like, are you serious? Yes, well, it says Fred Meyer on the style. You know, <laughs> well, you weren't wrong. There were, obviously yeah, there, there probably was, was. There was Fred, Fred G. Meyer. Meyer. Yeah, the but I was we were just talking about the verbiage used in the ad moments yeah. ago across the street from Fred Meyer, and it got us thinking about people who say Fred Meyers yeah, or yeah. You said you've never heard, but I had acquaintances who would say, "Yeah, I'm heading to Safeways later." Oh, are you? I've never heard Safeway <laughs> pronounced with an S. Safeways, Fred Myers. Because Safeway is a place. Fred hey. Myers could be, hey, I'm going to Fred Myers' house because right. there was a Fred G. Meyer. It's true. Uh, he wasn't in the day I went. <laughs> Grammatically, hey, it could uh, work. So tomorrow, Doc, right, we just heard from Tim Ewis. Uh, Tim Ewis, Edward Jones. He's downtown on 2nd Street, 545 Southwest 2nd Street in downtown Corvallis. We're going to be there. He's already to have set up. I think his dad's slinging the, the burgers. Nice. And uh, we're talking burgers and chips and, and all of that for free. Come on in and sign up. You got to sign up for that. And when you do, you'll be automatically entered in for all our prizes, which include a pair of tickets to the Cougars and the Beavers on Saturday night. Free games of bowling from Highland Bowl, passes to the Melon Shacks Corn Maze and Haunted Corn Maze. And I think Tim might even have some uh, prize packages as well. So all of that tomorrow from 11 to 1 at uh, at Tim U.S. Edward Jones on 2nd Street, 545 Southwest 2nd Street. I'm actually headed down there right after the show for to scout, do some technical scouting right. for right. making sure we can get on the air, which I think we can. <laughs> we better. And we'll be there and having a good time with our tent. He'll have some tents all uh, with tables and chairs, and it'll be beautiful weather. Just like the last time we had, just before the USC game, we were yeah. at uh, the Albany uh, Habitat for Humanity Three Restore. Rod Portia was our host, and we had a great time there on a gorgeous day with free food. And a lot of you, we hope many of you will find your way now to, to Tim Ewis's place in the parking lot next to the skate park under the bridge in downtown Corvallis, which gets a tremendous amount of use. Those are sort of... Back in the good old days yeah. of jogging and running, we'd go under that bridge a lot and see all the youngsters out. And there's a dog park there. Yeah, uh, it's, started it's a, by your wife, actually. Well, the little dog park. Yes, there's a, there's a major dog park, a big one, and the little dog park kind of closed off. Oh. was something that Missy did. Okay, uh, I don't. It doesn't get as much use. Most of the dogs do play together, but there are some dogs that don't want to mix right, and be right. in there with the big ones. And so there is a small dog park adjacent to the big dog park, in case you didn't know Very that. Nice. And that's uh, that's something my wife helped raise the money for and contribute to the downtown scene. That's pretty cool. And now I know things have changed down there. You're probably rolling your eyes. Look, we're, we're on the near side of the parking lot. Plenty of room, plenty of space, no problems at all, and beautiful weather, and yes. it's going to be a great time. So we look forward to seeing many of you there tomorrow between 11 and 1. And then I think, uh, Scott, and we touched on this with John Balva yesterday, but the Alumni Association gathering mm -hmm. on Saturday mm -hmm. that you're all invited to with Adam Larson uh, singing and Actually, performing. this is our deal, not the Alumni Association. Oh, this is a little different? Yeah, this is ours. Oh, okay, but it says across the street, doesn't it? I thought I'd it's, heard spots it, it for the Alumni a, Association. It, nope, it's at the LaSalle Stewart Center. Oh, LaSalle Stewart Center. My apologies, yes. Alumni Center. 
Like <laughs> the, the whole, we had John Valva on yesterday. Yeah. It's for every, the, the day is for everybody. Let's just make your way up the street. You can touch all these, these tailgate come gatherings. Come one, come all. And on it is Saturday. at the LaSalle Stewart Center to, uh, Saturday at three o'clock, free and open to the public. Live music by Adam Larson. You can enter, enter to win prizes, in fact, to see the Zach Brown Band. Hmm. I don't think we have tickets to the football game, but face painting from Party Perfection, food service available from Nreeners. Is it Nurreeners or Nreeners? Nurreeners, I believe, on the fan. But I, Beer and I, wine through Oregon Beverage Service, all at uh, the LaSalle Stewart Center Saturday at 3 before the football game. The football game is uh, it's, it's a vitally important one. Dave from Tumwater yesterday declared it to be the biggest in the Jonathan Smith era. Well, I understand. I understand why you would put so much in and on it in that the Beavers have lost eight in a row to that. Yeah. And and the fact that Oregon State and Washington State are brothers in arms in the league as being small ag schools in small towns. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't, you can't let, let it get let, away like you cannot. that. You no, have it, to either be on top or be even in a series like that. And when you think about it, and I mentioned this to you, before this eight-game streak started, yeah, the series, Washington State now leads the all-time series, 56-47-3. What's 56 minus 8? Uh, one. 40, well, 56 minus 8 is what? 48? Uh, 48. And there's three ties. So there, so it was 48, 47 to three, which is sort of how that's as even as you it's get. It's about Almost. what between those two schools over the years, historically, kind of what it should be. Yeah. Around. And, 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 and some great games. Yes. And vitriol. Some, some, we, we yeah. you know, where you didn't you're like them at it all. on at the end. Or you're hitting guys out of bounds. Yeah. No, I know. No, there's this a great series. They tend to, they're never, I don't remember them being soft. They always have a no, they're physical always tough, defense. Physical on defense, and they're good again. They're really good again. Yesterday, and with respect to the quarterback position, Jonathan said it's leaning in the direction. He, yeah. he said that to Canzano on right. John's show towards Ben starting again. Okay, all right. So let's just assume that to be the case. He said in his own words, Cole Branson did, I got to. A lot of things when asked what he got to do to get better. The other but thing, though, I paid attention to the sack situation. Just a quick thing on the sacks. Just as Jonathan and Dennis and other coaches don't get too worked up about certain kinds of penalties, mm-hmm. Jonathan shared with me yesterday, hey, we're going to take we're going to take a couple of sacks here and there, and we're okay with it. And from the standpoint of you know who leads the league in yards per completion, your Oregon State Beavers. They throw the ball downfield this year. They're doing a good job of it. 14.4 yards per completion for Chance and Ben. Some shots. Occasionally, that means you're going to, like the big home run hitter, is going to strike out once in a while. So we fret not too much about sacks. See you at U.S.'s tomorrow.